Let's turn tonight in our Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Now, we're going to ask you, as we read the Word of God, to follow with me very carefully. I, I want to uh, take the time to, to read the chapter. Um, we don't normally read a full chapter. There's 30 verses, uh, so it's going to take us a few minutes. But I trust that you'll follow with me as we read together in the Holy Scriptures. Daniel chapter 3. finding the place do remember that the name Daniel means in the Hebrew uh, God is my judge or God judges me anything that ends in EL uh, of course is a reference to God and Dan has to do with judge uh, so here's a young man with the name God is my judge let's hear the word of the Lord Daniel chapter 3 Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors and captains, the judges and the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshippeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations and the languages, fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? 
Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music ye fall down and worship the image which I have made, well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counsellors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire, and the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counsellors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor was the smell of fire had passed in them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who have sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree, that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after the sword. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Amen. We know that God has stamped with his own approval and blessing this lengthy reading of the word of God. Now my text this evening is taken from Daniel chapter 3 in the verse 18 and it reads as follows, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, 
that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And my theme this evening is a call to young people to stand and honour the Lord. At the moment we're having a mini-series entitled Truth for Youth. The first message was a call to remember your creator. The second message was a call to have faith in God. And this is really the third sermon in this mini-series, a call to young people to stand and honour the Lord. Now this historical incident recorded in Daniel 3 took place in the province of Babylon in the plain of Jura. It was approximately about 585 B.C. The Babylonian emperor, Nebuchadnezzar, is the most powerful ruling monarch of his day. He's a ruthless and ungodly man. He's a man who sees himself as the most powerful, untouchable, irremovable ruler of the then known world. According to Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, an unusual dream that greatly troubled him, but he couldn't remember it, couldn't remember its details. What was the dream about? I had a dream last night, but I couldn't remember it. So he commanded his wise men to come and tell him the dream that he dreamed that he could not remember. And of course, he wanted them not only to tell him the details, but he wanted them to interpret it for him. And they couldn't. They were baffled. It's impossible. Nobody could do that. Uh, he threatened to have them killed. Uh, Daniel heard about it. Now, Daniel, of course, was one of four Hebrew children who was chosen to grow up in the king's palace at Babylon. And Daniel, as a young man, asked the king for some time to pray about the king's dream. This was granted. And according to Daniel chapter 2 and in the verse 7, we uh, read these words. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show the interpretation of it. The, in a night vision, the dream and its interpretation was made known unto Daniel, chapter 2 and verse 19. Daniel went and stood before King Nebuchadnezzar and told him there's a God in heaven that reveals secrets. He said, you dreamt about a great image, an image of gold, an image of silver, an image of brass, an image that had legs of iron and feet, a part of iron and clay. And you also dreamed that a stone was cut out and that stone smote the image in the feet and the whole image was broke to pieces and that stone became a great mountain and that great mountain filled the whole earth. Now that was your dream. That's the details of it. Now listen to the interpretation. Thou art the head of gold. That was the Babylonian Empire. And then there was another emperor to come after the Babylonian Empire, an inferior empire called the Persian Empire, the Medes and the Persians. And that represented the silver. And then there was another kingdom, a kingdom of brass. And that was, again, a, a, a more inferior kingdom to Babylon. That was the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. And then the legs of iron, well, that represented the Roman Empire, down to the feet, part iron and part clay. And, of course, the great stone that smote the image was Christ. 
and the stone becoming a great mountain was Christ's kingdom, and the kingdom of God would be ushered in, and of that kingdom there was to be no end. Now, after the dream was explained to the king and the interpretation given, look at what we read in chapter 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was threescore cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits, and he set it up in the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. The king made an image of pure gold. A huge golden image, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, a replica of the image that he saw in the dream. Only this one was of all gold, and he set it up in the plain of Jura. And the king decreed that there was to be a day of dedication for this image. And every official in the provinces of the province or, or the emperor of Babylon was to come. And they were ordered not only to be there, but they were told that they were going to have to bow down and worship this image. And if they didn't, a terrible penalty would be imposed for anyone who refused to bow down to the image. They were going to be thrown into the uh, uh, fiery furnace. So think of the day of dedication has come. And everybody's there. And they're all gazing in this image. And they hear the sound of the music. And they fall down to worship the image. That is all but three people. Three young men. Three young men who refused to budge or refused to buy. They were reported to the king. They were given by King Nebuchadnezzar a second opportunity. And they refused. This is what they said. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. And yet amazingly, to the glory and honor of God, they were kept alive. A fourth person came and joined them, like an unto the Son of God. And they were fully restored to the offices that they had once occupied. And they bore testimony to the wonder and the grace and the power of Almighty God. And I want us to think tonight, and I know that the young people primarily are not here, we're going to issue this call to young people to stand and honour the Lord. Notice five things here, quickly. The characters that were found to stand for God. If you come down to verse 16, it tells us their names. Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar. Now these were Babylonish names. These young men, however, before they came to Babylon, had Jewish names. If you turn back with me to Daniel chapter 1 and look with me at the verse 4. Trust the reference right this time. It says... Children in whom was no blemish, but well-favoured and skilful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now come to verse 6. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
Now, they were Jewish names. Now, now, let me just give you the interpretation. Daniel means, as I've told you, God is my judge. Hananiah means God is gracious. Mishael means who is like God or, or like unto God. Azariah means God is my keeper. You see, these young men, as they were brought uh, as children, maybe in their teens, um, uh, from uh, Judah and Jerusalem into the province of Babylon, these young men with these Jewish names had a testimony to God in their life, that they were partakers of God's grace and God's goodness, even though they were now captives in Babylon. They had a testimony that God is gracious in saving me. They had been partakers of God's grace. They had a testimony that God is great, who is like unto the Lord. They had a testimony that God who saves also sanctifies, because they could live a life of holiness unto the Lord. They could be like him. The Holy Spirit conforms us, remember, to the image of Christ. They had a testimony that God was their keeper. And God, of course, is able to keep us from falling. And they had a testimony that God is judge. They, they were accountable to him. Three godly, very impressive young men. And they had got lovely names. And I have no doubt that they were children of the nobles of Judah. They had no blemish. That They were well favoured. They were skillful in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And here they are. And they're carried to Babylon. And there they're in the king's palace, Nebuchadnezzar's palace. Nebuchadnezzar, remember, has conquered Judah and Jerusalem in 586 BC. And now they're living in Babylon. And now they're serving in the palace. And their names have changed to, to suit the gods of Babylon. Because these names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are, are Babylonian names, but, but the names attributed to the gods of Babylon. And the intention, of course, is to school them in the ways of Babylon, and eventually get them to adopt the worship and the ways of Babylon. Three young godly men, four if you count Daniel, although in Daniel 3 he's not mentioned. And they're all living in a very sinful Wicked, ungodly environment. And yet those three young men, out of all that crowd of dignitaries there that day, chose to live for God. We live in hard times. We live in sad days for the gospel. And against all the backdrop of evil and wickedness, there has to be a call to the young people to stand to honour the Lord. These young people refuse the king's meat when they come to Babylon. These young men knew how to pray. In Daniel chapter 2, 17, the reference that I uh, missed to you, it says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. And that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. In other words, they had a prayer meeting. Probably an all-night prayer meeting. And it was in the night that the vision came to Daniel of what the dream was and its interpretation. These young men in Daniel 3 then stood up for the honour and glory of the Lord. One day they were called to make a choice. And they believed. Because of the grace and the help and mercy of God that they needed to honor the Lord. 
the characters that were found to stand, it was three young men. And thank God for the young men. Notice, secondly and thirdly, the crisis that they faced as they stood for God. Think of the source of this crisis. Look at chapter 3 and the verse 10. Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, sultry and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, he passed a decree. He made a law. He believed in the divine right of kings. He had all authority. And he wanted everyone in his land, from his second in command down to the poor and the pauper, he wanted them all to bow down to this golden image for to worship, as an act of worship, to, um, as it were, to show respect to him, show submission to his authority. See, he was attempting, I believe, to rule the hearts and minds of his subjects. All were to fall down and worship the image. All were told who failed to comply. There's the threat of death in the fiery furnace. From the highest commander in the land, the law was made. And you know, I think of what young people face in school nowadays or in university. Professors, teachers, and all lawmakers. And the aim of young people, of course, is to be subject to the higher powers as far as it's possible and live a peaceable life. But they've got to do it against this backdrop. If we're asked by our lawmakers or our professors or our teachers to do something that's contrary to the heart and mind of God, then we ought to obey God rather than men. Isn't that what the apostles said in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 5, and isn't it in the verse 29? Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Think of the source of the crisis. Think, uh, secondly, of the substance of the crisis. When you hear the sound of music in the plains of Jura, fall down and worship the golden image. If you don't, you're going to die. That's the substance of the crisis. Now, these three young men didn't. You can imagine everybody else doing it. Why not? Were they mad in the head? Maybe they were stupid and didn't understand the, the language. Maybe they were deaf and, and didn't hear the music. No. Here's the answer. These three young men, remember with their, their Jewish names, God is gracious, God is my keeper, who is like unto the Lord. These three young men knew God. And they knew that God had said in his law, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He's the living and the true God. He alone is Jehovah. Besides him there is none other. And then of course there was the law of the second commandment. And in Exodus chapter 20 we read in verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. Or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I am the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. They knew the second commandment. They knew that they were to use idols in worship. 
They knew there was no place in the worship of the living and the true God for idols. And they not only knew God, but they knew the law of God. And they knew that what they were being asked to do was contrary to the law of God. And young people, it's important to know God. Be still and know that I am God. God can be known. God has revealed himself to us in the pages of Holy Scripture. Daniel himself said in Daniel eleven thirty two, They that do know their God shall be strong and do excellent. Know him in a, an experimental saving relationship. Have the love of the Lord shed abroad in your heart. That's why it's important to know the word of God, to, to learn it, to, to memorize it, so that we can live it out, so it can have an impact on our lives. And they knew by the word of God that certain things were good and certain things were bad, that certain things were right and certain things were wrong. And they knew that it was wrong to kill, wrong to um, steal, wrong to commit adultery, wrong to covet. They knew it was wrong to use idols and worship. And to do so was to honor the Lord. To do so was to disobey him. To do so was to displease him, who was a higher king than Nebuchadnezzar. See, our young people today face a crisis. And the crisis that they face is to dishonor the Lord, to displease him, to disobey him. In the school, in the workplace, and in society. We'll illustrate it. Think about sport. You get a young person who's really good at sport. And when it comes to the Lord's day, what are they told by their coach or their manager? Oh, that's not important. Don't be old-fashioned. You could still go to church and still come and play your football match on a Sunday. I often think of Eric Little, um, the, the uh, Scottish runner. Did you know in 1924 at the Olympic Games, I think it was in Paris, he would not take part in the heats because they were on a Sunday. And he came under great pressure from his coaches, from his manager, even from the, the, the officials of the Olympic Games. And he was virtually told, you're going to have to do this, son. You're going to have to wise the bat. You're going to have to run here. And you know, someone, when he was out running, put a little bit of paper into his hand. He put it in his pocket. He read it later. And you know what it said? First Samuel 2 and 30. Them that honour me, I will honour. And he discovered, well, there's six days for running and training. The seventh belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord's day. And as a Christian, as someone who has the love of God in my heart, I've got to learn to say no to sin. And of course, that's very important. Think of the, the, the blessed man, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And I remember the late Dr. Paisley having the funeral service for the late Wesley Adams, who used to come here along with his dear wife. And the, Dr. Paisley, in the course of the funeral address, said of Wesley Adams, he was a man who knew what it was to say no to sin. You think of a second area. Think of business. Think of Daniel MacArthur. Think of his refusal to bake a, a, a cake with a sodomite slogan on it. Uh, think about um, being forced to do something that was contrary, not only to his God, but against his conscience. And of course, he was hauled up to court for it. Think about Mr. and Mrs. Bull down in Cornwall and their refusal to allow two homosexuals or two lesbians to share their bed. Think about those who want to state what marriage is in the workplace. 
It's between one man and one woman. And this alternative is, is contrary to the mind and will of God. It's not scriptural. You think of those in the workplace. They're a Christian. They're encouraged to attend certain events of the workplace at certain times of the year. And they feel they can't because they're a true believer. And they have to say no. And they have to say thank you but no. And, and if you remember Daniel, um, there was a big feast in Daniel 5. Belshazzar the king, uh, he, he was running it. And uh, Daniel was absent from it. He was not there. He was sent for when the uh, image of the hand wrote on the plaster of the wall. But he was not present. You see, it was a drunken feast for a thousand of the lords. And there was all sorts of rascality and immorality going on there. And you see, what the point is this. Down the road, if we know and love the Lord and have a mind for the law of God in our heart, you're going to face a crisis. One day the tests will come. And there are days of testing and trouble that come to us all. No Christian is ever fully or completely immune from trials and testing. They're part and parcel of the Christian life. And you must expect to suffer for the name and cause of Christ. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. A true believer, don't be surprised when the crisis comes. The crisis that they faced as they stood for God, the source of it was the king's lawmaking. The substance of it, and you hear the sound of music, fall down and worship the golden image. These young men weren't taken unawares. They weren't surprised. They had a ready answer for the king. When they were asked. As a Christian let's remember that the world hates us. Let's remember the world will hold us up to scorn and ridicule and mockery. Let's remember the uh, world will even tell lies about us. Think not only of the substance of the crisis. But think of the severity of the crisis. They faced immediate death. Wonder how many fellow Jews refused to follow the course that the young men took. I know there's no mention of Daniel. Maybe he was off on an errand somewhere. Maybe he was out of the country. But I'm sure there was fellow Jews that saw no wrong in falling down to the image to worship it. Why resist? You're going to die if you don't. You could do it outwardly. You don't have to do it in your heart. But the true child of God, despite the severity of the crisis, he knew that he had to say no to sin. He knew what was on the inside had to be seen on the outside. And because these three young men refused to bend or budge, the Chaldeans were watching him. There's always somebody watching you. Somebody that wants to report you. Somebody that wants to talk to you and accuse them to the king. And in this opportunity for point scoring, then the Jewish children were brought before the king and dealt with. And it was ferocious and it was forceful. We're giving you an opportunity. Bow the knee now. And if you don't, then you're going to die. We read in verse 19, There was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Now think thirdly and quickly. The courage 
that they flashed as they stood for God. In verse 17 it says, If be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Let me just tell you three things about this courage very quickly. It was a settled courage. You see, they knew their faith in God was being challenged. They, they had a, a personal faith in God. They, they were in a right relationship with the God of heaven. And they were asked to, to, to bow the knee and worship an image. And they knew that the moment we do that, we're denying the living and the true God. So this was a critical moment for them in their lives. And these young men resolved not to do so. They had a settled conviction. They had a settled courage in their heart and mind. And that, of course, was based on biblical principles and on biblical conviction it was an incredible display of real courage we will not serve thy God under pain of death remember the apostles in Acts 5 and 29 threatened by the Sanhedrin the, the highest authority in the land of Israel in the days of Jesus they were told not to preach or teach in the name of Christ they were beaten in prison and yet they said in Acts 5 and 29 we ought to obey God rather than men. Think of those in Hebrews chapter 11, of whom we read off, uh, were, were tortured and tried uh, and imprisoned. Uh, think of the many that were martyred. Um, uh, think of the, the killing times in Scotland. Think of the martyrs for the Lord Jesus, even in the, the 21st century. And we'll ask the question, have you and I got the resolve in our heart and life? Have we got a settled courage when we're taunted by our friends, when we're mocked and called names, when we're hindered maybe from promotion in some sort of job, or we're taken to court, all because of our faith in God, all because of our love for Christ, all because of a settled conviction of the word of God, and if our life's at stake and it costs us, will we have a settled courage like these young men had? This was also a special courage. They recognized something. What did they say? Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, in other words, if it's not his will, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Why disobey the king? Why be disloyal to the king? Why displease the king? Because they had an eye to our God. They were living for the honour and glory of God. They had been redeemed by the Lord. They, they were being kept by him. And they had been redeemed to serve him. Our God whom we serve. They were not only saved, but they knew they were safe to serve. And they were living for Christ. And they were putting God first. And they knew that our God is able to deliver according to his mind and will. They knew that to bow the knee to the image was to be disloyal to God. Displease him. Disobey him. And they decided, we're not going to sin against our God. We're not going to displease him or be disloyal to him. We're not going to disobey him. We're going to live for his honor, his glory. See, it was a special courage. Our God is able. They had an eye to that. Aye, and it was a selfless courage. When they were face to face with the king, they told him, we will not serve thy God. 
nor bow down to thine image, nor worship thine image. What they were saying, you see, had to do with worship. And they were saying no to this sin because it had to do with the worship of God. And oh, that many in the Christian community could recognise that. You think of those who make the call to attend the Roman Catholic Mass, and we have to say that a true Christian can neither participate in nor countenance the Roman Catholic Mass. This was a day of ecumenism, a day of getting together for worship. And how many participate and countenance not only blasphemy, but idolatrous things that are displeasing to the Lord. These young men, they refused to be a part of that. They wanted to witness for the Lord. They did this regardless of the consequences. They had died to self. They had died to sin. They were not their own. They were the Lord's. They put the Lord first. They put themselves into the hands of the Lord. They, they knew if God delivered them, uh, well, that was up to God, but they weren't living for self. They were not living to please themselves. They were living unto the, the glory of the Lord. And that's what we need today amongst our young people. We need the same display of courage to stand today and be faithful unto the Lord. When it comes to the Lord's house, when it comes to the Lord's day, when it comes to the Lord's word, when it's the Lord's name, when it's the Lord's son, as we've said, these are dark days and difficult times. Maybe you're the only one in your family saved and you're mocked and you're, you're, you're despised and you're scorned by other family members and they, they find fault with you often and they, they accuse you and they maybe even set things to, to trip you up. The same happens in school if you're the only Christian in your class. Or the same happens in the office or, or in the factory floor. And, you know, the Lord can give you grace. The Lord can help you if you lean in him. You have no courage or power by yourself. You have no confidence in self. But you can have a settled courage. You can have special courage by the grace of God. And you can have a selfless display of courage. Why? Because you've got an eye to God. The courage that they flashed as they stood for God. Notice quickly and finally the companionship that they felt in their stand for God. Nebuchadnezzar was enraged. He had them bound hand and foot with their clothes still on and thrown into the fiery furnace. He called upon his strongest men and his army to do that and they made the furnace seven times hotter and of course whenever they went and opened the fiery furnace door he lost the best of his soldiers. But they were not that long in the fire when they discovered the Lord was with them just as he always is with those who suffer in his name. Nebuchadnezzar somehow looked in. We don't know whether he had a viewing platform or whether he had some special window. But when, when he looked in, he could see four men loosed in the fiery furnace. See, the presence of God, the presence of the Lord Jesus was the guarantee of their protection. Their clothes were not burned. Their hair was not singed. Their ropes had burned off. They were free. They were walking about. They were having the sweetest, closest communion with their maker. Cast out by man. Cast out by the king. But having the sweetest, closest communion with the king. They weren't in the furnace alone. Remember what Isaiah the prophet says in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 
43, a tremendous word, and we often read it to many people, especially in time of need. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel. Christ is with his people in the trials of life. I believe this was an Old Testament appearance of Christ. He, he blesses us in the fire in a way that we could never be blessed without it. The companionship that they felt in their stand for God. And one final thing. The confession that they forced in their stand for God. Nebuchadnezzar was forced to make a testimony. God used this to humble the heart of a wicked king. Listen to what he says in verse uh, 28 as we close of chapter 3. We read it together. He said, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who have sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. What a testimony from a pagan king. He gave testimony to the Lord's name. He brought glory and honor to the Lord himself. God is glorified. You don't face the fiery furnace alone. If you're faithful to the Lord, and you have a love for him, and you say no to sin, then here's a confession that can be forced in your stand for God, even from the mouth of the enemy. And from the mouth of the pagan, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. A call to young people to stand and honor the Lord. We need young people with a love for God. A young people who say no to sin and do the right thing in times of need. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this evening. Thank you for coming.